0: It's January 18th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got one big brief for you this morning that is shaping America and the world. We launch a new series this morning. It's called The State of the union it'll be our ongoing look this year at how you and other american voters are feeling about this country and the goal is to try to figure out who is likely to win in november and why today we will begin by looking at polls regarding five different topics including the economy social issues immigration patriotism and happiness and with those facts and data in hand we will begin to build the intel that we need to do what good cia analysts do They make informed predictions and judgments about future leaders of a country, and we're going to focus on that as well, especially the office of the American presidency. So that, my friends, is coming up in just a second, but later in today's episode, we've got three quick listener questions to talk about, including the AI revolution, also a new virus out of China, and whether the CIA knows anything about aliens. I'll tell you what I know, but first, let's get to our new series. Welcome to the State of the Union. So what do you think? What is the state of our union as of this Thursday morning, January 18th? Well, to help us answer that question, we are going to look at polls, a slew of them this morning, on five different topics. And taken together, I think that they show a fascinating snapshot of what most of us think and feel about the state of our union. Now, as ever, I am aware that polls are imperfect, and that is why I look for a few things as I consider them. First, today's facts and data come from pollsters that I, and others, regard as pretty good in terms of their quality. Second, I look most especially for what is called a poll of polls that tends to help balance out any outliers. Plus, I've weaved in more concrete facts and data from things like surveys, studies, and other news that, taken together, can increase our confidence in whatever findings we might have about this state of our union. So with that as an introduction, let's get going. We start with the issue of immigration, and that is because based on various polls, that is one of the most important issues that America has. And we got a fascinating poll about this yesterday from the L.A. Times. California's registered voters said by a strong margin, 62 percent to 30 percent, that U.S. borders are not secure. They do not prevent people from entering this country illegally. Now, there is a partisan division, as you would imagine, but maybe not as big as you would think. Overall, 62% of Democrats say that illegals are either a major or minor burden. Only 32% said not a burden at all. Meanwhile, 72% of independents feel that illegals are a burden at some level. Meanwhile, Republicans, 97% that they felt as though illegals were a burden. Also fascinating from this polling data is this. Of the uh, Californians who were born outside of the United States, many of whom were born in Mexico, 53% said that they want new, more restrictive laws against illegal migration, and that would be good, helpful, they said. Incredibly, this belief of, well, foreigners about foreigners, it is stronger than the native-born Californians, especially self-identified liberals. So if I could summarize, in a state that is overwhelmingly Democrat, These likely California voters do not feel that our borders are secure, and that is especially true amongst the foreign-born Californians, a majority of which want stronger immigration laws. Now joining those Californians this morning are Iowans who feel the same. A poll from Bloomberg News shows that the number one issue for those GOP caucusers that went in on Monday, well, they felt that their number one issue was illegal migration, topping even the concern about the U.S. economy. Well, in response to that, commentators on MSNBC and other media outlets said that, well, this view was probably because the folks in Iowa are white and Christians. And as the anchor of MSNBC, Joy Reid said, these white folks just want people of color uh, to bow down to them. That is why these folks are worried about migrants. But given the poll from California about what foreigners think about other foreigners, That suggests that Mrs. Reed's analysis is quite wrong. So that is our first set of polls, my friends, on the topic of migration. And that's something that we discuss a lot here on this podcast. But it takes us to our second set of polls about something that we don't usually talk a lot about, and that's social issues. But we need to. We need to weave those into this analysis because they give us an indicator for how connected or disconnected we are from each other in this state of our union. So let's talk about a few social issues. And we focus first on affirmative action, which are those controversial policies, which give preferences to Americans based on skin color. As listeners probably recall, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down those policies, at least for college admissions. They did that last summer. That's starting to affect other fields of American life, to include places like law firms, which are now largely tossing aside their racial quotas for hiring. Well, eight months after that Supreme Court ruling, we now have some pretty good idea of what you all think about these racial quotas. A poll out Tuesday from the Gallup organization shows that 68% of you agree with the Supreme Court decision. A majority of you across all races and ethnicities think that these racial quotas are wrong. The numbers are strongest amongst Hispanic, white, and Asian voters. It was a little bit closer with black folks. 52% opposed these racial quotas. 48% were in support. So there's that on that social issue. And that takes us to a second social concern that has been a pretty hot topic, certainly over the past summer or so. It's all about gender identity, namely those people who believe themselves to be transgender. Well, a poll from NPR and PBS shows that a strong majority of Americans, 61%, believe that gender is defined by whatever is listed on your birth certificate. You're either male or female. And that number of 61%, that is actually up 10% from the year prior. In other words, that means that the more that voters are exposed to the transgender argument, the less that people are believing that, well, it's either true or compelling. Although that said, there is a pretty interesting tension on this issue. Let's unpack it. On one hand, we have some great data that show 69% of Americans say that trans people should only be allowed to compete in the sports leagues that correspond with their birth gender. The same is true. The same numbers are largely true about medical procedures, whether that be hormone injections or removal of body parts. We know that a poll from the Washington Post shows that most Americans are strongly against those things for children. But on the other hand, a strong majority of Americans do not favor laws that are deemed discriminatory against people who say that they are transgender, specifically in things like housing or employment. So if we might summarize, let's start first with affirmative action. The state of the union is that most of us think that those racial policies and quotas are bad. They are un Un-American. And that is across both racial and ethnic lines. As for the trans debate, right, most of us think that protecting kids from permanent medical procedures, well, we got to do it. But as for the adults, yeah, they're largely free to do as they would like, so long as they're not trying to tell the rest of us what to do, what to think, or redefine science based on what they believe or how they live. And that might come as a surprise to some people that actually there's some pretty strong agreement on at least those two issues of affirmative action and transgender stuff. So let's keep up the momentum, shall we, with more things that we agree on in this state of the union analysis, and that's the economy. That's because we all think it's terrible. For listeners, there is no surprise on this one. We talk about this a lot. Americans are not feeling good about the state of the U.S. economy. A fresh poll out from Gallup this week shows that about half of us view the economy as mostly poor, while another third of us say just fair. So taken together, that is four out of five people in this country that say that they or the economy are not doing especially well. And that largely matches a poll from ABC News out this week showing that about 70% of us think that the American dream is dead. As the White House has said, that dream is actually a proxy for the American economy. So putting those two things together, at least from the White House's perspective, the American dream is dead right now, driven mostly because of poor economic conditions. Next up, let's transition and talk about our next category of intel this morning as, as we talk about our State of the Union, and that's pride pride in being Americans, patriotism, because boy, that is important as we talk about this State of the Union. A poll late last summer found a record low number of us were extremely proud to be American, only 38%. That being said, if you combine that number with the other 27% of us who said that they are very proud, well, extremely and very proud folks out there, that makes up 65% of us. And that's good, but that number is actually down. It used to be 80 to 90% of us who said that we were either very or extremely proud to be Americans. That was true largely from the years 2000 through 2014. The declines in pride, by the way, are across the political spectrum. Republicans, independents, Democrats are all less prideful. But overall, Republicans and independents are much more prideful to be American. Democrats are the least By the way, this poll from Gallup matches another one that uh, we have from the Wall Street Journal, which also found falling rates of pride or patriotism in this country. But interestingly, they also found falling amounts of uh, importance for religion, having children, and hard work. And maybe all of that helps explain something that we've also talked about on the podcast. We've got falling recruitment numbers for the U.S. military, especially amongst young white men and mostly for the guys that are part of the lower and middle-class families of this country. So if we could summarize this category of information, the the state of pride or patriotism in America, about 65% of us are prideful, but that is down from the highs just 10 to 20 years ago. All right, let's talk about the final category of intel this morning. Let's talk about happiness. And this one is pretty tough to assess, but it is important. The state of our union relies in no small part about whether we all feel happy about our families our communities and the overall state of things but boy how do we possibly assess this well we are going to continue to unpack this over the coming year but i found a few initial data points for us to consider we start with the folks at gallup organization who reported last year that most of us were actually pretty happy in our personal lives yes they found some unhappiness about our paychecks not keeping up with inflation but otherwise we're largely happy with our families and in our communities although a separate poll from cnn showed a little bit more nuance to that happy assessment it showed that most of us were actually unhappy although the economy was largely to blame for that cynicism all right so if you squish those data points together we can reasonably say this We are largely happy in our personal lives, except for those daggone paychecks. And that seems about right, anecdotally speaking. But folks, there are some other data points that we have to consider this morning that are not so happy. In fact, they are terribly, terribly sad and still very important to consider as we think about the state of our union. We start with this, about 50,000 people committed suicide last year in this country, that is the highest number since 1941. That number is mostly made up of men, with a disproportionate number being U.S. veterans. Next, sadly, we know that last year, we had a record number of overdose deaths from drugs, most especially fentanyl. Just over 112,000 of us died from that scourge. That number, by the way, is up from the year before. I want to emphasize something about this. In the year 2022... The leading cause of death for Americans age 18 to 45 was fentanyl, not car accidents, heart attacks, fentanyl. For what it's worth, that is a shocking statistic that will likely hold true for 2023. We should have the data on that in the next number of months. So golly, stepping back, ladies and gentlemen, thinking about our state of our emotional union this morning or our well-being. Well, it's a bit of a mixed bag, isn't it? Most of us are pretty happy, although we're skeptical about the economy. Meanwhile, an alarming and increasing number of us are suffering from deaths of despair, including our veterans. And that is a painful reality, but it is a very important one as we now sit back and we think holistically about the state of America's union. So let me ask you, with these facts and data and polling now in hand, How would you judge the state of the union and thinking about the issues that we just covered, including the economy, immigration, social issues, patriotism, and happiness. How do you think those issues will affect the vote next November? Well, let's talk about that and let's do that just after this break. We've got some analysis and opinion coming up and I tell you, I've got one more shocking poll that you need to know about as we think about the state of our union. For subscribers listening at rightreport.substack.com this morning, thank you. It is you and your financial support that are keeping this podcast alive. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, I thank you as well. I encourage you to do your part this morning and support the companies that support me. You will hear about them shortly. We'll be right back. My friends, have you gotten your factor meals yet? If not, holy smokes, you should. Factormeals.com is the best meal delivery company in the United States. I promise you this. I have tried the others. These guys are it. They give you more than 35 different meal options to choose from every single week. That includes calorie smart, which is a pretty good idea after the holidays. Also, they've got protein plus, which is a great idea for after the gym and even vegetarian options, which is a great idea for people who are crazy. Just kidding. We love our vegetarians too. Well, anyway, it's all delivered, ladies and gentlemen, fresh, right to your doorstep, never frozen. All you gotta do is open the box, and after a couple of minutes of heating, you have got a great meal to enjoy. And that's true for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Plus, they've got some wonderful grab-and-go snacks and some tasty cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. As ever, I've told you this before, I love their pork chops. They've also got shredded chicken tacos that are so good also, they've got a new lasagna that is out, and it is top-notch. These meals, folks, really are delicious, and they are a perfect option for either busy people like me or retired folks who just want good, healthy meals, but they don't want the fuss of cooking. So support the folks who support this podcast, my friends, and get yourselves Factor Meals at 50% off right now. So go to factormeals.com right Five zero. That's W R I G H T five zero. And you get fifty percent off. Yeah. Again, that's promo code right five zero at factormeals.com slash right five zero and get that fifty percent off. But more importantly, my friends, you're getting a meal service that is good for your body and great for your taste buds. I guarantee it. Welcome back to the right report. Let's continue with our new ongoing series about the state of the union. So what do you think? Do you think that the state of the union is strong this morning, at least based on the previous presentation of polling and facts and data? And how do you think that the state of the union will affect the vote next November? Do you believe that it will benefit Joe Biden or his eventual Republican opponent? Well, let's talk about that. Pivoting now from facts and data. To my analysis and opinion so i want to cover this analysis using a thought experiment i want you to imagine that you were running for the presidency and you're trying to figure out the state of the union so that you can figure out how to best manage your campaign how to pitch to the american people well that you know how to run the country best based on what they care about so let's imagine that and let's start with this polling for the past six months or so has been pretty consistent Voters are unhappy with Joe Biden, and they mostly prefer Republicans to control both the White House and Congress rather than Democrats. And that desire for change mostly comes down to the issues of economy, the illegal migration crisis, and crime. Although I should say national security is now higher up on that list of concerns due to the wars in Ukraine and Israel. So in short, we are looking at a nation that is looking for change. But what kind of change? And which issues are people most passionate about? Because that affects turnout. And that ultimately means everything. Well, here's what I would offer you, and I provide you this, after considering the five issues that we discussed this morning and thinking about which one is the most impactful when we think about the State of the Union. And I want us to focus this morning on immigration. And that's because of that LA Times poll that I shared with you. The one that came out yesterday where 62% of California's voters say that the u.s southern border is not secure but that's not actually what caught my attention although very interesting instead here's what did catch my attention 53 percent of californians who were born outside of the united states say that they want more restrictive laws to stop illegal migration and most of those foreign-born folks those are democrats in the state of california which means that with each passing month More and more Americans, regardless of party affiliation or ethnicity or race, are starting to believe that this union is being invaded. In fact, a a poll from NPR over a year ago showed that to be true, so it is even more so true today. Well, getting to our thought experiment, I I can't imagine then, as someone running for the presidency, that any other issue would be so powerful or so potent as an invasion. So let's go deeper on that how motivating might this issue be and why do people feel this way well here is the bottom line from my optic the migrant invasion can no longer be hidden it is everywhere we see images on tv we see posts on social media when folks fly through places like chicago's airports or they stroll down new york city streets But beyond that, people see it in places like Denver. In fact, yesterday, the leading healthcare system there said that their hospital network is going to collapse because of the cost of illegals. Those people, of course, do not have health insurance, obviously, and that is going to collapse that system. Meanwhile, three hours west of Denver, high up in the Colorado Rockies, is Carbondale, Colorado. It's a small town that we've talked about before that has been absolutely inundated with illegals. About a week ago, the mayor there said that he can't handle anymore. There is no room left for any more illegals. Plus, he said that these people have to be gone or resettled somewhere by March 31st. That's because he wants to shut down the temporary shelters and places like libraries that he has set up. And he wants to return that stuff back to his own citizens to enjoy because, well, they bought and paid for it. But as he said, he doesn't know if this March deadline is even possible in part because there are still upwards of five to 10,000 illegals each day coming over the border. As I briefed you on Tuesday, those numbers are not likely to change, not in any material way, all because the White House doesn't see this as a crisis. In fact, some in his party, like Democrat Representative Jerry Nadler, say it's a very good thing that the record numbers of migrants can actually pick our vegetables. And that is what I would have you think about this morning if you're running for the presidency and thinking about the messaging to the American people. Immigration is important from, gosh, Carbondale to Staten Island because while they are outraged by this, many of their leaders on the state and federal levels are not. Plus, what we have seen is, gosh, when people talk about this being a crisis or an invasion, many federal and state officials, along with media pundits, Well, they say that if you point out the fact that it is an invasion, you're a bigot. You're the bad guy for pointing out the obvious, and people are starting to resent that. And this idea of resentment is building on not just this issue of migration. Consider the trans issue we talked about this morning. As I shared with you, strong majorities believe that biological gender is real, it is permanent, and it is set at birth. And that things like fairness in sports, that really matters. But if you say that those kinds of things, uh, let's say at work or on social media or on TV, you're often labeled as homophobic or transphobic. And people resent that. We've also seen this same growing resentment start to build on things like affirmative action. If Americans say what a majority of Americans believe, which is that these policies are wrong, then you are often labeled as a, a racist or white supremacist. Here's the point, folks. As evidenced by this L.A. Times poll on immigration, the electorate in this country on issue after issue is saying enough. We've had enough. We are not bigots. We are not transphobes or racists. We are reasonable people who have been very, very patient with all sorts of absurd things. And we resent being told that we are bad people when we are not, especially when our paychecks are being eaten up by inflation. We're just cranky and we're done. And that assessment of the state of our union takes me to the final poll of the morning that I want to share with you, imagining you were running for the presidency and you were trying to guide your campaign. A poll from NBC News out on Sunday showed that a majority of GOP voters in Iowa, 61%, said that they would still vote for Donald Trump even if he were convicted of a crime. Another 19% said that actually they would even be more likely to support him if he were convicted. And that blew the hats off of TV pundits and opinion writers all this week. There was a lot of talk about the end is near. But if you were running for the presidency this morning in our thought experiment, and you were trying to understand the, the sentiment coming out of Iowa, well, here's what I'd offer you. It's not about Donald Trump. It's about a bunch of people who are resentful. They are good people and they want their country back. And they want it to be full of other good, reasonable people. And to get there, it appears that they will need to elect a human firecracker, a guy that will blow up a broken system of D.C. elites that aren't listening to them and telling them that they're bigoted or homophobic or racist. And of course, voters know that Mr. Trump is not perfect or even close to it. Everybody knows that he is crass and blunt and often nasty. They know that he says things that are rude and impolite and occasionally embarrassing, And they don't care because actually that's what they want. They want a street fighter who plays dirty pool. They want the antidote to the poison that is running through the corrupt veins of Washington, D.C. And fair or not, or true or not, that is what Americans see in Mr. Trump. And that is a powerful thing to understand, my friends, certainly if you're running for the presidency this morning in our thought experiment. But putting that aside and returning to our real lives this morning. This is a pretty powerful thing to understand if you are trying to get a sense of the State of the Union, trying to understand who will likely win next fall and why. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's first installment of our new ongoing series of the State of the Union. I sure hope you enjoyed it, and I look forward to your feedback on Substack. As ever, I've got one more thing before I let you go. We'll be right back. Well, folks, by now, you know that some listeners like to call me the angel of death because apparently I deliver such bad news on this podcast. Well, if that's you and this podcast keeps you up at night, well, calm yourselves right back down and do so with a comfy bed from Ghostbed. (laughs) Yep, it's a company that I think makes the finest mattresses in all of America. And you all know that is true because I own one. I have the Lux model. That one is designed to help people like me who sleep a little bit hot. But they've got other great models too. There's the Classic. Uh, there is the Massage Bed. That sounds fun. Plus, there's one called 3D Matrix. That sounds scary, but I still want one. It doesn't matter. Whatever model you choose from Ghost Bed, just do it. These mattresses are built with high quality materials, fine craftsmanship. And when you get into that Ghost Bed, you feel both of those things. And great news you can get one of these mattresses delivered right to your doorstep. And if that makes you a little bit nervous, you know, to buy a bed without lying in it first, well, I get it. But Ghostbed has already solved that problem. They have a 101-day trial period plus free shipping and returns. So folks, if Brian, the angel of death, scares you during the day, let Ghostbed protect you at night with a great night's sleep. And here's the best part. Get 50% off when you do. Go to ghostbed.com right write. That's W-R-I-G-H-T. And 50% off your GhostBed purchase will be given to you, my friends. But you got to use that website, ghostbed.com right write. Oh boy, but when you do, you are going to get that good night's sleep that you deserve. I guarantee it. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. Actually, it's three quick things today. Listener questions and some comments sent to us from my paid subscribers at rightreport.substack.com. Kenneth from somewhere in America wrote in about the brief I gave you yesterday on deepfakes. Brian, he said, I have a theory uh, that maybe those criminals are using their annoying robo calls or maybe the calls where you pick it up and nobody is there. Well, maybe they're recording your voice and they use that to train their deep fakes. Ooh, Kenneth, I like it. I could see it. I could also see these guys using our voicemail greetings because I'll tell you, companies like Eleven Labs, if you've never heard of them, very interesting outfit. Well, they don't need much audio to produce something that's pretty darn good in terms of your fake AI voice. In fact, I will tell you, I'm I'm having these guys refine my AI voice for when I'm sick, so I can still deliver you all a podcast, even if it might sound a touch off. We'll see how good that is. I'll probably get the results, by the way, tomorrow or sometime next week. But Kenneth, this is really interesting, and I think it's a fascinating little smart catch. Folks might want to listen up to Mr. Kenneth and maybe change your voicemail greetings or let those unknown callers just go straight to voicemail, because that might be a way they pick up your voice when you don't want them to. Fascinating. Next up, Becky in South Florida wrote in about uh, a new virus in China. Brian, she said, did you see about this new virus that they're cooking up in Beijing that has a 100% fatality rate? Why is the world not doing more to stop this? It's crazy. And I want off this planet immediately so I can start over on Mars. Well, Becky, uh, please save me a spot uh, on the rocket. I'm going to run your Intel agency on Mars. It's going to be fun for folks unaware. What Becky's talking about is a preprint study from a lab called the Beijing university of chemical technology. So here's what they did. Researchers took a strain of the SARS cov 2 virus that was in an animal and they conducted gain of function research where it would then infect humans, just like happened in Wuhan, allegedly. Well, the virus was then exposed to eight mice I should tell you that these mice were not especially in great health, but they all died from the virus, 100% of them. Also, their eyes changed colors. They went to white in the days leading up to their deaths. So that sounds great. Scientists from around the world have erupted with outrage about this gain-of-function research, calling the study pointless, stupid, dangerous, there are various scientific reasons for, their, uh, for those assessments, but the one real concern is that there has been no documentation of what kind of lab safety uh, was involved in this. No understanding of the safety protocols, which again, sounds just like Wuhan, allegedly. Well, scientists around the world are now scrambling to understand what exactly happened, to understand more about the safety protocols and learn more about why this unnecessary study was done in the first place. To that point, it is raising some questions about whether this latest study could be a part of China's alleged bioweapons program that targets certain races or ethnicities. As ever, that is unlikely, even maybe a science fiction scenario, but the worry is now kicking up once again. The other thing that I want to talk to you about uh, regarding this question about viruses in China is this. The Wall Street Journal confirmed yesterday that China knew that it had a novel virus in Wuhan in December of 2019, at least two weeks before they started to share details about it with the world. They had the viral sequence mapped out and they hid it from everybody. But here's the thing. We know this because somebody else hid this fact. And that is the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services along with the NIH. They too hid what they knew that the Chinese knew. All right, so they had it, but they didn't talk about it until they were threatened with a subpoena by House Republicans. That is when they released it, and the Wall Street Journal ran the report on it yesterday. For what it's worth, neither the NIH nor the HHS have offered a comment, at least as of this recording. So Becky, let me know when the rocket leaves for Mars, I call window seat. And speaking of outer space, I got this fun one from Mary and Stephanie from somewhere in America, and here's the upshot. Brian, they said, do you know anything about the CIA and uh, alien spaceships or extraterrestrial beings? Because there has long been a rumor about that the agency is involved in this. Probably fake news, but I want to know. And also, do you think there might be life out there? All right, let's talk about this. Two things. First, if this kind of program existed, a U.S. government program that was, say, in contact with a space beam, or we had their ships or some related technology, it would not be housed at the CIA. You would see it at the Defense Department, uh, the U.S. Department of Energy, or NASA, some combination thereof. You would probably uh, hear about the involvement of offices like DARPA, if you've ever heard of those guys. So, no, no aliens at the CIA. And I'll tell you, all the years that I was there, Never any rumors of that stuff going on. As for my personal take on, is there life out there? Well, I'll tell you, if you haven't seen any of the images from the new Webb Telescope, boy, treat yourself, do it. They are amazing. Every little dot is a galaxy. And when you think about the expanse of the universe, it is just humbling and a little scary about how small we are. So that's why, Steph and Mary, I personally find it impossible that given how large the known universe is, there wouldn't be other life forms out there somewhere. Whether or not they can find us and make contact, well, that remains the mystery. Although I'm not so sure we would want to meet others. Think about Earth life. It's largely based on one species taking the life or the territory of another to feed or whatever. So maybe those beings out there, perhaps they would treat us with curiosity and peace, or maybe we'd be a snack. I don't know. So I'm fine with no contact. Thank you very much. But good luck if any of you get contacted. uh, I'll be on Mars with Becky. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.